grasp that. I don't know about you. That's a million people. But someone had to witness to him and lead him to the Lord. Whether it was at a revival service or a youth service, like in my instance, you know, somebody had to lead him to the Lord. Each one of us had the opportunity to be someone great in the kingdom of God. Whether it's the fact that we lead someone to the Lord who does great things, or that we ourselves go and do great things. God's always looking for somebody. Amen. Because it's a big work. Now, it's a bigger work than what it was when Jesus was on the earth because when Jesus was on the earth, there weren't as many people. And now, what do we have? Seven billion people in the world? How are we going to reach all of them? Well, I'll tell you one thing. One way we can reach them is <laughs> crazy phones. Who knew? I mean, 20 years ago when we moved to Poplar Bluff, my wife and I tried to get a cell phone and it kept dropping. I said, forget it. We're going to get a landline. And I didn't get a cell phone for years after that because, you know, they, they developed a problem like that. But now everybody has one. And the Bible talks about everybody seeing, for instance, the two witnesses in Jerusalem. And Bible scholars didn't know how in the world that that was going to happen. For years, they didn't know. They only knew that God would do it. Well, now what happens when there's an incident anywhere? People pull out their cell phones and they're they're photographing it, right? They got their they got a little movie camera right on their phone, and it's got a lot of better resolution in that little cell phone than what they had in cameras 50 years ago. Five years ago? Okay. But I'm just saying, go back and look at the movies, for instance, or the TV programs from 50 years ago, and then look at your own movie that you video and see how much better your phone is now than what it was the movies were back then. It's amazing. Well, how are we going to do this great work? It's an overwhelming work sometimes. If we were to just to sit and think about, you know, the fact that there are 7 billion people in the world and here we have uh, just a few of us that we know that know the Lord and are following the Lord. And wow, how are we going to reach 7 billion people? Well, don't lose heart because God told Elijah, he said, when Elijah was discouraged, God told Elijah, Hey, there's 7,000 people still that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. He says, I've still got people. So God's got people all over the world. But just because God's got people all over the world, and he's called great people, and there's a Reinhardt Bonnke, and there's a Franklin Graham, and there's all these other people, that doesn't let us off the hook. I mean, we still have our part to contribute to the house of God. And however large or however small that part may be. But let's go to our uh, scripture, the first one we read here in Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, 
those who build labor in vain. And we'll stop there. But that's the important part. Except the Lord build the house. It has to be the Lord that does anything. Has to be the Lord that builds this house. Has to be the Lord that builds your ministry. Has to be the Lord that does anything in our lives that is of any value. It needs to be the Lord involved. He does the work. He helps us as we go. And if we are just trying to do it on ourselves, by ourselves, then a lot of times we fall and falter. Stephanie has told this story uh, about her recovery. And she says that when she was an alcoholic, and she tried, even with the 12 steps, to recover. That there came a point, and she was even teaching classes at, at a rehab. And there came a point, though, where something happened. She got news of something that was very upsetting. And it caused her to go back to the alcohol. But when she came to Jesus and came to a place where she found him to be her higher power. And she declared that he was her higher power. Then she was free. And the scripture says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. And she has not had a drop of alcohol in 27, almost 28 years. Because of the power of Jesus. And she, she says, that is what set me free from that. That is what set me free. And so as we look at our own lives, one of the things I will say about this passage of Scripture, except the Lord build the house, is that the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, then, is the power behind the house of the Lord. Holy Spirit is. And, and Stephanie tells this about her experience as she walked into Christian Family Worship Center down in Florida uh, and where Chelsea was born. And this was in 1994 that she walked into Christian Family Fellowship and the worship was going and it was just wonderful. She was invited by somebody at her AA. And so she got into that worship and before she knew it, as she was worshiping, she was praising in tongues and she didn't even know what she was doing. <laughs> because the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Lord came upon her and touched her and ministered life and strength into her. You know, if we have the Lord in our lives, He will be a great strength and a great help unto us in every day of our lives. Now, when Jesus came and walked on the earth, He had 12 disciples going with Him, right? And many other followers with Him as well. But listen to what I say very carefully. The 12 apostles, 12 disciples, 
were not saved until after the resurrection. Whoa, whoa. How can you say that? Well, look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 10. He said, this is how you're saved. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confessed with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. They couldn't be saved until Jesus died on the cross. They couldn't express faith in him until he rose from the dead. So they were doing miracles because Jesus allowed them to do miracles. He gave them the authority to go and do miracles. They were seeing the dead raised. They were seeing uh, demons cast out. They were seeing lepers healed. All of that during as while Jesus was there. But they were un, unconfessed. Uh, they were sinners. You know, Jesus even told Peter at one point, he says, Satan has desired you. Read it in your Bibles. He says, but when you are converted, Jesus told Peter that. When you get converted, Peter, strengthen your brethren. <laughs> so he was not converted. He was not a Christian while he walked with Jesus. He only became a Christian when Jesus died, rose again from the dead, restored Peter, forgave him, and welcomed him back. But then I want you to read with me in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus is appearing after the resurrection. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. So what did the disciples do? They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he had died and he had risen from the dead. They believed who he was. They had faith. And then, thirdly, third thing is they received the Holy Spirit at their salvation. Yes, they received Holy Spirit. That's what it says there in John chapter 20. It says, He breathed on them. And whether they held their breath, they didn't hold it for long. But they I can imagine they breathed in that sweet atmosphere that Jesus imparted them to them. Because then he said, he said, remember, receive ye the Holy Spirit. So when a person is saved, then, let's bring it to our day, when a person is saved, Sherman, when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit comes inside of them. That's what I was talking about in my testimony. That's what Rocky was talking about in her testimony. How we sensed something changed inside of us. Something was different inside of us. We felt Holy Spirit come inside of us. And we also felt the start of power inside of us. Power is an awesome thing. But we need it, don't we? We do need power. All of you got here today because you were riding or driving a vehicle that had power. And it wasn't a Flintstone vehicle. 
where you were pedaling with your feet. It was a gas-powered or diesel-powered vehicle. It was something in that vehicle then that responded to the accelerator being pushed. Well, first the key being turned, and then the accelerator being pushed. Put it in gear, and it goes. It's amazing. How in the world did they ever come up with the automobile? I don't know. It's amazing how it happened. But it is there. But it doesn't do anything unless you have a power source. I almost said an engine. But then in these days with electric vehicles, you can't say just an engine. <laughs> it has to have a power source, though. And then it has to have fuel to run on that power source. Oh, boy. Yeah, I must confess, I had 65 miles to empty this afternoon. And so I stopped at the gas station and put $50 in my tank. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Who knew? But that has to run my vehicle. Wait. My spiritual vehicle now. Let's go back to the analogy. My spiritual vehicle has to have power. I have to have fuel. What is my fuel? Well, in part, it is the Word of God. So when I open up the Word of God and read the Scriptures, there are verses that speak life to me, that bring hope to me. Also, when I communicate with Holy Spirit, because He is a real person, He's not an it, but He lives inside of us as believers, and I can talk with Him, and I hear Him talking with me. Do I always feel doodads when the Holy Spirit talks to me? No. But I don't live by doodads. Do you? Uh, anybody that lives by doodads is really shallow. Right? Because we have to have our faith secure and rock on the rock Christ Jesus and know that we're believed not but we believe not because we feel something, but because we know something. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I love that song that we sang, My God is real and he is I can feel him in my soul. I can feel that He has forgiven me. He's taken away my sins. Amen. So the power comes in when Holy Spirit comes into my soul. Holy Spirit comes in and He washes my sins away and He cleanses me up and sets my feet on the rock, on the place, on the straight way. Then He gives me the power to live a Christian life so that there are things, for instance, that I used to do. There are ways that I used to act. Hello? That I don't do that anymore because it's like Holy Spirit gives me a check in my spirit. He says, well, you shouldn't be doing that. Right? You shouldn't do that. You should do this. And so when I listen and I obey, then I walk in that power. I walk in that anointing because the Lord is walking with us every day and He cares about us. Yeah, 
don't try to figure out how he can talk to seven billion people at one time. Don't try to figure it out. He's God. He can do it. He can do it. And he can be personal with us. Amen. In our Sosa training a couple of years ago, they talked about having us in a quiet place. And you can do this. You don't have to have gone through the Sosa's training, but how many did go through the Sosa? Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. In a quiet place, picture as if there's a door and you go through that door and there you meet with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a wonderful thing. And you know what? When I do that, sometimes the Lord says, where have you been? <laughs> Missed you. you know, and not that he's not always with us, but we get so busy in our lives with this and that. And he just wants us to come and spend time with him. And just to say, tell him that we love him and we appreciate him and let him tell us that he loves us. Amen. Oh, it's so wonderful. Amen. Let's go on to our next passage of Scripture. So we said, when people are saved, they have Holy Spirit coming and living inside of them, right? So, because Jesus breathed into the disciples and Holy said, receive Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So when we get saved, Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. But then there's something else that Jesus wanted for the disciples. He's about to go back into heaven after 40 days walking on the earth, and he says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, so there's such a thing then as Holy Spirit baptism. It's like a second thing that happens in our Christian walk. I, I like to explain it by a cooking illustration. How many ever cooked a pot of potatoes? Yeah, a few of you have. You put a lid on it where it cooks a little faster, right? And then once it starts boiling, then you turn the fire down and put the lid a little cockeyed so that some of the steam goes out, right? But what happens if you get busy with something else and that fire is under the potatoes and uh, the lid is tied on there? What happens if it gets too hot and the steam rises? Pow! You hear a noise and it's that lid has blown off of the pot. So here's what I think happens. We like to be in control. Right, Chelsea? We like we don't want to lose control. We want to be in control of ourselves. But when we become Christians, Holy Spirit comes in and he says, I want to be in control of this house. I want to be in control of you. And so we listen. But then when we get into worship or we get prayed for 
you know, someone prays for us and we get a little bit feeling, whoo, man, I get just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And we say, well, I better put a lid on this, turn the fire down because I'm about to lose that lid off the pot. I'm about to become out of control. We're afraid of having potato water all over the stove and whatever else might happen because of that. When Holy Spirit comes, did you know it is not His desire to embarrass you? It is not His desire to make you look like a fool. It is not His desire to ridicule you. He loves you. And when He comes, He is such a gentleman. He does not force Himself on anyone. But the one who is wanting to reach out and receive something extra, He is there for them. To empower them. And you know, let me go back to my situation where I w- went forward. I was, I think I was 14 years old when I went forward at the, the youth rally. And I had been around Pentecost and, and people speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit for, for all of my life that I can remember. When I accepted the Lord, I knew that date, January 30th, 1967. When I knew that date, that that was my date that I was born again. When that happened, I began to praise the Lord, and the Lord took hold of my tongue, and I began to praise Him in that heavenly language. Wow. So that I was immediately baptized in the Holy Spirit then. And what happened? When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, power ramps up in our lives. It's like putting getting a tune-up on your vehicle. It's like putting an extra gasoline helper in your vehicle. It just seems to run better. Yeah. And so when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's begins what that's what begins to happen. We begin to run better. And when we speak in tongues and I'll get cover that a little bit more as we go on. When we speak in tongues, we're not praying to anybody, talking to anybody else on the earth. Unless, unless for instance, there might be someone listening, like uh, our pastor, when I was growing up, Brother Truett was praying one evening at church. And his sister happened to be visiting, and she asked Brother Truett's wife, when did brother when did Clifford learn Hebrew? And Sister Truett said he never did. And she said, Well, he is speaking in perfect Hebrew. And and sometimes people, when they're speaking in tongues, they speak in a language other people can understand. And sometimes they speak in the language of angels. But What's the, what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit for? Acts 1.8, going back to that passage, 
It is so that we receive power to be witnesses. Now I must tell you, number five, the word witness comes from a Greek word. And the Greek word is martyrous. Hmm. Wow. So we are called to be Christians. And then we are called to be martyrs. To give our lives for Jesus Christ. To go where he wants us to go. To do what he wants us to do. To say what he wants us to say. Now we're in a pretty safe place right now, aren't we? We're in the United States. It's not like we're over in some foreign country. Like I think Kenya is one of them that comes to mind. Is one that's particularly dangerous. Or one of the Muslim countries. Particularly dangerous to be a Christian. And to proclaim your faith. You can go down into Walmart today and talk to people about Jesus. And no one's going to shoot you or take a sword out to you. Right? But what do you have to do to step out and do that? You have to say, Lord, I lay aside my will. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm going to witness to this person because that's what you want me to do. And you know, we sometimes get intimidated by people. And Holy Spirit is never intimidated. And he, if He nudges you to talk to someone, then you are to do it. I am to do it. Amen. Now, I am normally a very introverted person, so if you think you're the only introvert in the room, you're wrong. Okay? I am normally very introverted. But if Holy Spirit tells me to do something, then that's what I want to do. I'll tell you a story. After I received my call to preach, I went to Petoskey, Michigan for a summer as an intern, youth minister. So I was ready to go. I was really wanting to do something in the kingdom. I was a, just finished my sophomore year in college, and so I would have been 19 years old. I was, I was really wanting to do something for the kingdom. Sunday morning service was great. Sunday night they had baccalaureate, dismissed church. I didn't meet with the youth. I went to the baccalaureate because that was some of the youth were there. But boy, you ever been to a lively baccalaureate? <laughs> Rocky says no. And this was not a lively baccalaureate. It was not. I was really bummed. I walked back to my place where I was staying and I was praying and I said, Lord, Use, I prayed for several friends that were in ministry that summer. I said, use them, minister through them, Lord. And then finally I, I said, Lord, use me. And I heard this voice that I knew was the Holy Spirit. He said, go stand on a corner. I put my jacket on. It's Petoskey, Michigan. They have two weeks of summer every year, and it wasn't yet there. Okay. 
so I had to put my jacket on. And I walked down to town, downtown. It was a town of about 7,000 people. And I saw some kids standing on a street corner. And I thought, <coughs> I, I just don't feel that that's them. I don't feel the leading to go over and talk to them. So I started walking back and into my place where I was staying. And I thought, just like you might think sometimes, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I disobeyed. Maybe I was supposed to go and talk to that those young people on the corner. You know, all those thoughts racing through my mind. I had crossed the street and had just stepped up on the street corner when a guy pulled up in a car on the street that I had just crossed. And he said, hey, you want to go and ride around with me? And without thinking, I said, sure. And then the next thought I had was, you've been picked up. But the next thought I had was, Holy Spirit is with you. I am with you. Whew. And I went and sat in that car and drove around the area because it's a beautiful area, and you know, and it's a, a cove on Lake Michigan. You you drove over to the other city over there, and you know, it's just beautiful area. And he asked me, he said, "Why are you here? And what brings you to Petoskey?" And I said, "I'm here to be the youth pastor." And he said, "Well, you know, I was." picked you up tonight because I had other plans for you. And I said, you know Jesus loved you. And I led him in a sinner's prayer. You never discount what God is wanting to do if you will just listen to his Holy Spirit when he's telling you. Now, let's get back to the word martyr. So what did I have to do? What kind of martyr was that? I had to martyr myself. I had to be willing to say, God, I will do what you want me to do. Even if I'm doing something that seems stupid, I'm going to go and do what you want me to do. Even if it seems to be dangerous, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And know that God is with me. And God will be with you. He will. God's will will never lead us where His grace cannot keep us. I'll say that again. Let me say it again. God's will will never lead us where His grace cannot keep us. Because He will always be there. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was, had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. This was the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What we call the day of Pentecost. Interesting. You know, that's like... 50 days from Easter, so we're not quite at Pentecost yet, but in, in if you go to a traditional church, you know, that like a cathedral, okay, if you look up in the cathedral, 
there's a hole in the ceiling. Not leading to the sky, mind you, because there's a room up there. There's a hole in the ceiling uh, because these cathedrals, and until, you know, like maybe four or 500 A.D., when they first built them, on the day of Pentecost, they would take straw up there, and they would have somebody up there, and at the given moment, the uh, from the signal from the minister, the fellow up in the, the Holy Ghost hole is what they called it, he would light that hay on fire and let it fall down to the worshipers there in the service. Wow. Yeah, and that's exciting, huh? <laughs> I'm glad we don't have that happening. <laughs> but, you know, we have Holy Spirit. He is like a fire inside of us. He is like a, a purging influence inside of us and a help and a strength and an encourager to us. And he gives us the power that we need to do what he wants us to do. Peter, who had denied Christ three times, boldly preached the word of God. That's number seven. I missed six, Philip, I'm sorry. The disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and as a result, they speak in, I call it, unlearned tongues, because they didn't go to language school. They just, as the Holy Spirit gave them the tongues to speak, they spoke in tongues. And it gives a list there in the chapter of all these countries that heard them speak in tongues. Wow. But Peter, this is what Holy Spirit does, Peter's life turned around because he became bold to preach the gospel. And when he did, he stood up there on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved, Caleb. 3,000 people. Wow! Who would have thought that Peter, who had run from God and denied Jesus three times, could stand up and do that? But he did. He did. Amen. Let's go on to Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. I think it's 21. Yeah. Then they called them, because here's what happened. Peter and John were going up to pray, and there was a lame man. He was begging. He had been lame for 40 years. Jesus himself had passed by this man before, and the man was crippled. Well, what was Jesus doing? I think Jesus was saying, you just wait, buddy. Your time's coming. Just wait. Be patient. It's coming. And so when Peter and John passed by, the man said, give me something, alms, alms. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he was completely made whole. Well, the religious leaders didn't like it. They said, what are you doing that for? So they arrested Peter and John, threw them into prison. And then they told them that they were not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. Here it is. Then they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. 
for we cannot help but declare what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all glorified God for what was done. So they were told not to proclaim the name of Jesus. But it didn't stop them. What if someone were to tell you, you can't testify about Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus in here in this store. You can't talk about Jesus on the phone. You can't talk about Jesus online. What are you going to do? It's a question that we have to decide that we may be confronted with. What will we do? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit like Peter and John are, it helps us to be bold and to say, I'm going to speak anyway. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to proclaim what Jesus said. Amen. Then going on into verse 29, the disciples, Peter and John, went back to the group. Whether it was the 12 that had gathered there, because remember, Matthias had become a member of the 12 now that Judas was had killed himself. Or maybe it was other people that became believers on the day of Pentecost, but they went to prayer and said, Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with great boldness by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be performed in the name of your holy son, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Wow. So if you get threatened, if you get told you can't testify, you can't witness for Jesus, go back to the Lord in prayer. Amen. There's a great picture of David when he came up against struggles at times in his life. It said, what it says he do? He did. He would strengthen himself in God. When we are threatened by anybody because of our testimony of faith in Christ, because of what we are doing for the kingdom of God, we've got to go back to the Lord. We've got to go back to Him and say, Lord, behold their threats, just like the disciples did. Lord, behold their threats. This is what they've said. But Lord, You give us the boldness. And they didn't ask for just boldness to speak. They asked for boldness to have miracles. Healing and miracles. Praise the Lord. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit again. I remember when I was pastoring an Assembly of God church, the criteria for a person being on the board, church board, was that they had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. All well and good, right? It didn't matter if they hadn't progressed in their experience with the Lord for 20 years. If they were baptized in the Holy Spirit 20 years ago, that was good enough to be serving on the board. I'm just telling you the way it was. 
Yeah, that, that was our criteria, and that's what we went by. But what does the Lord want? Whenever we come to face to face with difficulties and trials, He wants us to come back to Him. He wants to empower us again and again and again and again. Praise the Lord. Once is not enough. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? I said once is not enough. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. Ephesians 4.18 Do not be drunk with wine, for that is reckless living or excess. But be filled with the Spirit. When you look at that phrase, be filled with the Spirit, almost every translation translates it that way. You never notice that? Every, every time you read that verse, in, whether it's King James, New King James, New American Standard, they all, they all translate it that way. But it's incorrect. Because here's how it should be translated. It should be translated, keep on being filled with Holy Spirit. That's what Paul was telling the Ephesian church. And that's what God wants us to do. To keep on being filled with Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled with Holy Spirit. Day by day by day. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to go to the altar and do that? No. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in your home. Hello? Man, I was out burning wood today and I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I was being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're at home, you're doing dishes, you're uh, doing wash, doing washing, uh, sweeping the floors, pray in the Holy Spirit. You're working a job. You don't have to. I'm not telling you to get loud and boisterous. I'm just saying pray in the Holy Spirit. You can do that. Pray in your prayer language. Especially if you don't know what to do. Because you know what happens? When we pray in the Holy Spirit, God begins to tell us things in our mind, in our spirit, that we need to do and how we need to walk and how we need to handle situations. As we pray in the Holy Spirit, He gives us wisdom. It's, it's like... You know, that, that one scripture, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 14, where it says, I will pray in the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, I will sing with the understanding. So that when you pray in the Spirit, you are praying according to the will of God. Your will is not getting in there when you're praying in tongues. Your will is not getting in there. can't. Because you don't know what you're saying if you're praying in unknown tongues. Key word there, unknown tongues. So when you're praying in unknown tongues, God is praying through you by His Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. I think the, I think the person that I read this about was Keith Miller. It's been so many years ago since I read it. But he had been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he got him a brand new car. 
Now, I'm not saying that this is going to happen to anybody here, okay? So don't, don't take that. But he got him a brand new car. And the Lord told him, I want you to pray in the Spirit. And so he began to pray in the Spirit. And he was just having a wonderful time driving his brand new car and praying in the Spirit, you know, and God's presence was there. He turned the corner, ran into the back of a garbage truck. When he woke up, he was in the hospital, had both legs broken, and his car was totaled. He said, Lord, what happened? You told me to pray in the, the Spirit, and I just wrecked my car, and here I am in the hospital with two broken legs. What was I praying anyway? And the Lord said, well, you just prayed, Lord. I love you, and if this car would come in between you and my relationship with you, then whatever it do needs to be done to take it away from me, then do it. <laughs> now, like I said, I'm not saying that that's going to be dra drastically happen to you. That's just a, that's an illustration. But I don't want you to fear to pray in the Spirit. But as you pray in the Spirit, He's going to enlighten you on what you're to do. I'm preaching Sunday. As I was praying in the Spirit, you know, and around my fire, I was getting some stirred up about a message for Sunday. That's how that works. He tells us, He guides us, He directs us how we are supposed to do things. And you know, it's not just about spiritual things. It can be about just even the simplest mundane things. How many of you have ever lost something? And you pray about it, and there it comes. Amen. And sometimes if you were to pray in the Holy Spirit, maybe, just maybe, if you pray in your prayer language, He might give you the interpretation, and you would know exactly where you, rem where you put that thing. I just about kicked myself. Brother Sherman, I'm trying to, Gets a little bit of garden dug up. I got to get the sod out of there, right? And so I got this flat nose shovel and I was digging that up. Okay. I tell you what, I think it was Saturday. I was looking for that shovel. I could not find it. And you know, I thought that maybe somebody had come by. I keep it out in the backyard in the corner by my garage. And I thought maybe somebody had come by and seen that and maybe borrowed it. So I asked my neighbor, I said, have you seen uh, my shovel? Did you, did you see that maybe somebody got there and, and found it and took it away? Maybe, did you see somebody on my yard? He said, no, I didn't see anybody. Well, you know, in the course of doing work, too, I had laid it down in different places or propped it up against a tree. And, you know, I said, I looked all over my yard two or three times. I guess that, you know, that's what they say. The definition of insanity is doing something again <laughs> expecting a different result. So I didn't find it. I didn't find a different result, the same result. So then you know what happened yesterday? I went out to my shed. Unlocked my shed. There's my shovel. Right in my shed. Somebody had put it there. Well, I'm the only one that gets in there. And so, but you know what? If I had prayed in the spirit more, before that, I might have found that shovel. God cares about the little things in our lives. He really does. He cares about us. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of either. We don't want anybody to be afraid of Holy Spirit. Like I said, he's a gentleman. He loves you. He cares about you. And he just wants the best for you. Ever notice what Sister Virginia does when she has a word of prophecy? She starts to pray in the Spirit. And then, then she gives a word of prophecy. What's she doing? She's tuning herself up with the Lord more and more, getting lined up with him so that she can deliver the word that God wants her to deliver. Amen. And every time she gets up and gives a word, it's a right-on word. Why? Because she's in tune with Holy Spirit by that praying in that prayer language. Well, keep on being filled with Holy Spirit. One last verse I want to share with you in the book of Jude. Verse 20. It's in the first chapter, by the way. It's in the last chapter of Jude. Verse 20. It says this. You you caught that, didn't you? All right. But but you, beloved, build yourselves up on on your most holy faith. And the rest of it is praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in the Holy Spirit. When I am weak and I need strength, I need to find a place and pray in my prayer language. I need to communicate my spirit, communicate with his spirit, with my flesh not getting in the way. (laughs) This is especially helpful if you have someone that just wronged you because your flesh if someone just wronged you your flesh is going to say Lord I wish you would take care of them straighten them out they need Jesus they need you take them down to their knees Lord but if you pray in the spirit what's going to happen is you'll develop a compassion for them and God might even give you the words to say or the means to do something. The idea that will touch their heart and change the situation. And you know what? That person might even become one of your best friends. Amen. So build yourself up in your faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How often should you pray in the Holy Ghost? Well, I'll go back to what Paul said about prayer. He said this. One little short verse, easy to memorize. He said, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So we should pray all day long. Don't mean you got to quit your job or, you know, can't communicate with your family. But be in, be in a spirit and an attitude of prayer all day. And if you need to pray in the spirit, that would be very helpful to pray in your prayer language and to seek the Lord for his will. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, we want to do your will. Lord, we can't do it on our own. 
We have to have your Holy Spirit to help us. Lord, we desire you and all of you to help us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. Take us, mold us, shape us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Not just that little bit, but every part of our being overflow. Breathe upon us, Jesus, with your Spirit and overflow into us and out of us that the love of Jesus may be seen by other people that come and cross our lives, that we may be the witness wherever we go to make a distinct difference for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stand with me, if you will. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you.